Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Coronapod. In this show, we're going to bring you nature's take on the latest COVID-19 developments. And we'll be speaking to experts around the world about research during the pandemic. We're entering a new era now. We have new COVID strategies. There's some new unknowns and we've got a vaccine. Hello and welcome to Coronapod. Joining me this week is a reporter you haven't heard from for a little while. It's Smriti Malapati. Smriti, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Happy to be here. So, Smriti, you're joining us from Australia, which means that I'm up quite late this evening to speak to you because of our time differences. And the reason we're speaking to you is because we're going to talk about the vaccines used in China this week. Now, China has been a huge player in terms of the number of vaccines given across the world, but it's something that we have talked very little about on Coronapod, and so we thought it was high time to sort of catch up. Tell us a little bit about the vaccine programme in China. I mean, that's a big question to start you off with. (laughs) Yeah, so China approved one of its vaccines for emergency use already in June last year, but it started its vaccination program in January this year. And then a few months later, really ramped it up to the point where at its peak, it was vaccinating 20 million people a day, which is a huge amount. It now has vaccinated more than 70% of its population with two doses. That's more than a billion people. And it's delivered more than 2 billion doses in the country. More recently, it started giving boosters to some high-risk groups and also has started in some areas giving vaccines to kids age three and up. Yeah, so there's a lot of kind of firsts here. They were one of the very, very early emergency uses. This sort of vaccinating kids three and up is also very, very unusual on a global scale. We'll talk about the specific vaccines in a minute. But one of the other reasons that talking about these vaccines is important is because they have played a big role, not just within China, these huge numbers you're talking about, but also in many, many countries outside of China. So we're talking here about Indonesia, about Pakistan. A lot of these countries have also had a huge uptake of vaccines developed in China. Yeah, so globally, about half of the vaccine doses delivered are Chinese vaccines. So they have contributed a lot to immunizing the world, especially in countries in Latin America and in Southeast Asia. And in some countries, they are maybe the only vaccine that those countries have received either 
through purchases or donations. And the two sort of largest vaccines that we're talking about here coming out of China are called Coronavac and Sinopharm. So those are the kind of, again, as we are used to when we talk about Pfizer-BioNTech or we talk about Oxford, AstraZeneca or Moderna, these are sort of named after the companies that produced them. But something that sets apart Coronavac and Sinopharm is the type of vaccine they are. So we've heard a lot about mRNA vaccines, the Pfizer-Moderna, for example, about viral vector vaccines, things like Sputnik V and the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccines. But Coronavac and Sinopharm are both different. I almost old school vaccine technology. So these these technologies have been around for a while. They basically use a killed version of the virus that induces an immune response against many proteins that the virus produces, as opposed to maybe some of the mRNA ones that we know that produce a targeted response against one protein, for example, the spike protein of the virus. They do have other technologies that they have developed as well. I mean, they have a protein subunit vaccine and an adenovirus vector vaccine that have also received emergency use approval. But these are the two main ones. There's Sinovax, Coronavac, and then there's the Sinopharm vaccine produced in in Beijing. They're the only two inactivated vaccines that the World Health Organization has listed for COVID-19. So you mentioned that part of the benefits in many ways of the way that the inactivated virus vaccines work is that they can generate an immune response to lots of different proteins in the virus because you are literally putting the entire virus, although you know inactivated, it's dead, it can't infect anyone, but you're putting the entire virus particle into the body. Now, last week on Coronapod, we actually talked about hybrid immunity and why perhaps natural infection combined with vaccination was generating an even greater immune response than vaccination alone or natural infection alone. And one of the things we suggested is because, hey, if you've been exposed to the virus, then your immune system could act on more parts of the virus than just spikes. So that's great. That means that potentially you could get a broader response. And in many ways, you might think that's true of the inactivated virus vaccines as well. You can get a broader response. However, they are inactivated. They're dead. They therefore don't generate such a big immune response as they would if they were alive. And that's one of the reasons that scientists, researchers and pharma companies have gone for different approaches, because you can try to make a really, really powerful, even if it is a more limited response to something like spike. And that's something that we are starting to see play out now when we look at the length of protection in these vaccines. The Sinopharm and Coronavac vaccines, which have been used really widely all over China and all over the world, are starting to see hints that the protection provided by those vaccines is starting to wane perhaps faster than it is from some of the other vaccine technologies. Tell us what what, what kind of studies are coming out that are giving us these hints. There are a range of studies that are starting to come out. Initially, there were studies that looked primarily at neutralizing antibodies, which are considered a possible proxy for protection. And over time, the antibodies for these vaccines, the neutralizing antibodies, were waning within a few months. And the assumption was that that meant that protection against disease would also wane relatively quickly. And since the efficacies of these vaccines from the start was somewhat lower than some of the, for example, the mRNA vaccines, and the neutralizing antibodies that they produce was somewhat lower, that was a concern. I mean, I think these vaccines still are very good at protecting against symptomatic disease and death. The real concern 
with certain researchers was that in some age groups, the immune protection would not be very strong. We should say that it does seem that every vaccine for coronavirus that is around at the moment does seem to see some kind of waning of antibody response over time. You know, this is something that's been seen widely. This isn't something that is unique to Coronavac or to Sinopharm. But yeah, there is this concern that perhaps if the efficacy was a bit lower to start with, then they're starting from a lower place. And so therefore, you know, that's more significant as time goes on. And yeah, there have been some of these early studies that have come out that have shown really quite dramatic drop-offs once you get over the age of 80. Yeah, so in one example, a study in Brazil showed that for people over 80, protection against severe disease was as low as 30%. And to clarify, when the WHO listed these vaccines for emergency use, it was based on clinical trial data that didn't include a lot of data from older age groups. And they did say that when they listed it. And now more and more of that data is coming out and they're able to see, you know, what kind of protection do these vaccines offer? And what that doesn't mean is that these vaccines are therefore useless or they shouldn't be used at all. But what it does mean is that perhaps policymakers need to think a little bit about what to do next, because they have been so widely used. It means people are starting to think about things like, you know, do we need a booster vaccine? Should we use a mix and match situation and use a different platform as well for a second dose or a third dose? What kind of things are being considered in the public health sphere, given the numbers that we're starting to see come out from some of these studies? I think definitely the important point is that one of the researchers I spoke to said, these are all very important vaccines. We're just kind of learning how best to use them. You know, we're tweaking, you know, the dosing, how many doses, the timing of those doses, all of those things still need to be figured out. And so policymakers are constantly reviewing that data and making decisions accordingly. And so some countries have already decided to give a third dose to their entire adult population. So, for example, Chile. And other countries, for example, Thailand, have gone with a mix-and-match approach. So they're giving one dose of an inactivated vaccine with one dose of an adenovirus vaccine. And other countries are giving a third dose only to certain age groups, so for older age groups. They're all trying different things. And then more recently, the WHO expert advisory group met to discuss these two inactivated vaccines, specifically Coronavac and Sinopharm. And they recommended, based on the evidence that they had reviewed, that people older than 60 who had received these vaccines should get a third dose of either the same vaccine or a different vaccine. And that was based on their assessment of the data showing waning antibodies as well as lower protection. We should also add here that we've talked a lot about um, antibodies and then we have also talked about studies that have looked at protections, so I suppose outcomes from hospital patients, for example. But these are still not the only ways you can measure the success or the efficacy of a vaccine, I suppose. The immune system is vastly complicated. We've talked about this quite a lot on Coronapod. So one way of measuring potential protection is using antibody titers. But there are other things like B-cell counts or T-cell counts, for example. And those also seem to vary quite significantly. One of the criticisms of the Oxford-AstraZeneca vaccine, as compared to the mRNA vaccines is that it doesn't produce as high a level of neutralizing antibodies as far as we can see. However, it does seem to be a bit of a T-cell creator and that can also have a really big impact. Yeah, there are some small preliminary studies that have looked at 
T-cell production and neutralizing antibody production for the inactivated vaccines. And there's one example from Hong Kong. I mean, this was a small study. It hasn't been peer-reviewed. It's mostly looking at people who didn't get very sick. But they compared immune responses in people who received the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and those who received CoronaVac and found that the neutralizing antibody response was significantly lower in those who received CoronaVac, but their T-cell response was comparable. Although, you know, there is a little bit of conflicting reports here. You know, there are some researchers that I spoke to who suggested that the T-cell response for the inactivated vaccines could be lower, but it's not clear. I think there's, there's still a lot of studies that need to be done. But ultimately, one of the most interesting countries to look at for understanding the inactivated vaccine protection is Chile, because Chile has used a lot of coronavac vaccines and they're really tracking efficacy. And so they have some really interesting preliminary data and they found that, you know, the protection against symptomatic disease and death, they they did see a small level of waning, but then they gave third shots of several different vaccines, all of them you know, whether you received an inactivated vaccine or a different type of vaccine, your protection did get a boost following a third shot. This really does also highlight some of the things we need to be careful about. Whenever we talk about the efficacy of a vaccine, be that that it's outperforming what we expect or underperforming what we might want, we have to be very careful because we need to take into account the kind of real world context. There's a lot of information coming out of Chile because these are the vaccines available to the Chilean government. They have to do what they can do with what they have. And that is true all over the world. We've talked about vaccine equity a lot on Coronapod. And it absolutely is the case that Coronavac and Sinopharm are, in fact, in many cases, they're the only vaccine that is available to many countries. And so it would be ridiculous for us to say, well, no, that can't be used then because that's not good enough. What we really need to be saying is, okay, how can we find ways to get these vaccines to be useful? And that's where these studies to understand how mixing and matching and changing the difference in time between doses and trying to think about boosters and how that might work. This is why trying to understand these nuts and bolts is important and not just sort of writing off these vaccines as perhaps not being as effective. Yeah, yeah. No, I think the question is, how can we make best use of these vaccines? And everyone that I spoke to, even in countries that are considering alternatives to inactivated vaccines now, they said, you know, these vaccines are better than no vaccines. And maybe when you have access to other vaccines, then you can consider switching or alternatives. But they are very important vaccines to the global pandemic. Okay, so what's next for inactivated virus vaccines? You know, they're not all alike. Just because we create an inactivated virus vaccine doesn't mean they all work in exactly the same way. There are other things that can be added into them. Adjuvants, for example, can be added, which are these sort of chemicals which agitate the immune system, so trigger a larger immune response so that maybe you can generate a bigger response than you might get from just the inactivated vaccine alone. Are there other vaccines being developed? You know, what's next, I suppose? There is another important inactivated vaccine produced by a company in India called Bharat Biotech. And that one has been widely used in India. And one of the researchers I spoke to said that following the WHO's decision to recommend a third dose for people older than than 60 for the Chinese inactivated vaccines, they said, you know, 
that decision doesn't mean that it applies to all inactivated vaccines. Every inactivated vaccine is different and they you know, offer different protection. And so that vaccine, the biotech vaccine, is now under review by the WHO for listing. So we might hear very soon about what the you know, WHO is going to decide on whether or not to list these vaccines. Okay, so yet another vaccine for us to look out for. And, you know, we've we've heard that there are protein subunit vaccines that are on the way. People are talking about intranasal vaccines. There's going to be an awful lot more vaccine technology to discuss moving forward, more vaccines being approved for emergency use for the WHO to process. But until that time, Smriti, let's leave it there. It's been great talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.